Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, I not not till next year. I am one hundred percent putting. I'm putting all my money on it. We will not have a concert till twenty twenty one. Hollow Notes is not canceled yet. I. They haven't canceled yet. They're gonna. And even if they don't, do we really want to go? Yes, I do. Oh no, we're we're. I mean, if they're not canceled. We're going. <laughs> we will make. I poor will decisions. wear that fucking face mask for two hours. That's fine with me. Yeah, in August. In August, outdoors out in an outdoor arena. <laughs> We, that's I how will much, die. That's how much we miss concerts. Yeah. Yeah, we had Hollow Notes lined up, and then literally the next weekend would have been Rammstein. Yeah. That would have been, like, the best way to end the summer. Yep. And yep. no. No. No, fucking Roni's got to yeah. ruin everything, so. Well, like, here's the thing, too. I've gotten really spoiled with concerts in general, because I always used to think, like, you know, it was a concert, you just stood there. Yeah. And that was it. But now, like, when I go to see a show... That shit better be a fucking theatrical performance. <laughs> I expect some Shakespeare. I expect fireworks. I expect Broadway. Everything. I want all of it. Yeah. And this was going to be a really fucking great year for shows. And now, no, oh, yeah. nothing. No, I was going to get, I was going to so spoil the shows. And now. <sighs> nothing. Nothing. Can't even celebrate when new albums come out now. Yeah. And supposedly Hollow Notes were coming out with a new album. They're working on one. Well, some artists are still coming out with their albums. It's just that they can't tour to promote them now. Yeah. And you're not going out to clubs to dance to them now. Some of the online shows that I've seen so far, like quarantine free YouTube shows and stuff, have been really good. Yeah, I guess. They're cute. They're fun. Yeah. But it is no substitute for the real thing. Oh, not at all. Not at all. Because I caught the Tevin Townsend one with you. I caught Anna Monaguchi with Jeremy. Like, yeah, they're cute. They're good. I really appreciate the efforts being put forward. However, I want to be wowed and zowed. In person. In person. (laughs) I did watch um, Enslaved do one, like, in the beginning. Like, the second weekend, all of us were like, stay the fuck home. And their online show was so fucking good. It was amazing. Yeah. And honestly, whether I was there in, in an audience or not... It was still really fucking great. Okay. And they're doing another one soon. 
So I'm very excited about that. All right. So some people are pulling it off. But at the end of but the day. But still. I, I just want to be wowed and sowed in person. Like I was years ago when I went to my first Lady Gaga concert. Ooh. Which taught me that like, oh shit, concerts aren't just like standing around and watching someone play a guitar. Concerts are a fucking experience. <laughs> Especially when you pay hundreds of dollars for a ticket. Worth it. <laughs> like legit more worth it than metallica <laughs> you want to know why you pay hundreds of dollars for a metallica ticket to watch them rotate in a circle and forget the lyrics and forget the lyrics you know who didn't just rotate in a circle and forget the lyrics mm, lady, lady gaga, gaga who did perform with metallica she did at the grammys and the grammys fucked up their mics and everybody had a conspiracy theory that the grammys hate metallica <laughs> and metal and they fucked it up on purpose I mean, they and do hate metal, so they do. They and, really do. But also, like at this point, like Metallica, I, I yeah, I guess they're metal. They were back then when they got shunned. Oh, I mean, like even like when like a few years ago. Yeah, I would I guess. argue there is more and better metal now. Um, by the fucking buttloads. But also, yeah. like metalheads can lay off Lady Gaga for quote unquote being too weird and theatrical during her performance with Metallica. It's like, it's metal is Gaga, built. Assholes. Metal is built on weird and theatrical. Have you seen Iron Maiden? Have you seen <laughs> any Norwegian black metal? Have oh you seen God. King Diamond? Have you seen any of these people? Mm, no, metal doesn't do that. Yeah, metal takes itself really seriously. <laughs> you know who else takes themselves really seriously? Us. Yeah. Welcome to Rock Candy. <laughs> Your weekly podcast full of sweet treats from the world of music, telling you stories and tales. And this week, we're talking about Lady Gaga. We just did not know how to intro this. Yeah, no fucking clue. But honestly, she puts on a fucking amazing show. And I don't give a fuck. I, she did the best she fucking could with that Metallica performance. Every, You know what? I'll even give it to James. Like, everybody did the best they fucking everybody could. Everybody God smacked it. God smacked it. it. It was fine, guys. They did the best they could do. With the hand that they were dealt. Which, I mean, like, the Grammys at this point is just a decrepit old, like, man hand. It's the hand from Scary Movie. That Chris... <laughs> the Chris Elliott Butler character oh. with the gross hand. I never saw Scary Movie. Yeah, I saw it once when it first came <laughs> out. But, like, there have been a lot of memes that have come out in 2020 because 2020 is garbage. Yeah, 2020 is a shit and show. And all the memes are like, this is the hand that... 2020 delta and it's just Chris Elliott's hands. Well, now I get it. I didn't know where that was from before. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Yeah. You learned something. I learned something. (laughs) Me, one of the hosts, Maggie. (laughs) Oh, I'm Ashley too. Yeah. (laughs) I'm also Ashley. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Be a fun, interesting week. I actually am a big Lady Gaga fan. I was a big fan of hers when she came out in 2008. Mm -hmm. Fucking the fame, the fame monster. Loved those albums. I will get into how I feel about the rest as we go along. Yeah. I liked her back then, and I kind of go in and out now. Which I feel like a lot of, like, unless you are a diehard Gaga fan, I feel like most people just kind of dabble. Yeah. Gaga dabble. I pick and choose, Yeah, I suppose. Which I think that's kind of something she expects. But also, there's a lot of times when I can't help but just roll my fucking eyes at Lady Gaga. I think, I think, I don't know. Maybe you'll change your mind after the episode. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. I don't know. She's got a lot. She's got a lot going on. Yeah. But I just wish she would stop wearing those fucking boots. Yeah, you know what though? She should because it's hurting her. 
it's hurting her and also they're <laughs> tired. It's just the boots. <laughs> it's all stems from the boots. <laughs> no, I thought you had some really like very insightful introspective reason nope it's just the boots the fucking boots like stop it (laughs) they don't go with every outfit either this is why i like you right here this is this is it right there oh my god i mean i was just like yeah she should stop wearing the boots like she knows what happened to prince the same thing's gonna happen to her true don't wear those fucking guys you know what Nobody gives a fuck what shoes you're wearing on stage. But I also wore the same kind of boots when I was like a mall goth in ninth grade. Oh, those Come were the on. days. No, mall, bo- mall goth is coming back, yo. I know. No, I'm kind of excited for it. <sighs> yeah, but I feel like I can't really wear it anymore. <laughs> you know what? We couldn't drink back then. We might have made better decisions. I mean... I, I chose not to drink back then. Oh, I mean, legally we couldn't drink, and I was just too much of a fucking weirdo to get invited to those parties. <laughs> so I didn't. Okay. Uh, but now we can drink, and this week we are drinking for this episode. We we actually had a beer all ready to go for this episode, and we mm-hmm. and, and we could. I still found it. Yeah. And I found it cold in the fridge. That's how excited I am about this episode. <laughs> uh, this week we are drinking from local to us brown's brewing Mm -hmm. and it's called joanne it's got a bunch of pretty flowers on it after her album joanne Joanne. that came out in 2016 so it was perfect and it's an ipa of course i wasn't excited about but it's fine like it's it is basic bitch ipa it's brown's honestly i mean they're kind (laughs) of an institution though right like that's They're like, not going away, if no. that's what you're saying. Well, I just mean, that's, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but that was one of the first real craft brewery places I ever really was exposed Around to. Around here, yeah. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah, it's a good, if you guys are in the area, um, it's and you're into IPAs, and you get to totally passable IPA, even if you're like a casual IPA drinker and you're at their brewery, like, this would be a good one to get. It's good cold and pretty oh, decent. Maybe throw like a... Like a grapefruit in there, hmm. an entire grapefruit, the whole grapefruit. Just squeeze it on in there. Yeah, pith and everything. Oh yeah, yeah. But honestly, um, that sounds good. And they just reopened, so good for them, right? Yeah, things things are looking up, guys. We might not have concerts, but god damn it, at least we have beer. Yeah. <laughs> with that, pry it out of my cold dead hands. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, uh. Let's get into this. Let's get into this. All right. All right. Buckle up, I'm kids. ready. I'm ready to roll my eyes. I'm ready to laugh, cry, and roll my eyes. <laughs> I want to make a shirt and give it to you. <laughs> that needs to be on a shirt. <laughs> Just the stupid emoji face with the rolling eyes. Yeah. It'd be perfect. <laughs> nope. Liz Lemon. Just a picture of Liz Lemon rolling, rolling her, her eyes. eyes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that works. Some might be surprised that we are talking about such a recent artist. But the interesting thing about Lady Gaga is that we are watching her become a legend in real time. This girl has only been releasing records for a little over a decade now, but in that time, she's put out six studio albums, made 16 top 10 singles, starred in a hit television series, and a hit movie, and has won 59 of the 135 award nominations between the Emmys, the Grammys, the Oscars, and so many more that she was nominated for huh and the way she got here 
Nothing more than pure, unadulterated, hard-ass work. Despite, actually I'd say in spite of, the haters, she believed in herself and kept reaching for her dreams. Many times people say she's old news, she's fizzled out, but then she just comes back up with a new look and a new sound to show off. Lady Gaga is constantly evolving, and some see that as a turnoff, while others celebrate her ability to change course when the feeling takes her. Contrary to what some may think, her image is only a part of her art. Lady Gaga is a true talent who has worked for this since she was a babe in the woods. And I'm going to tell you all about it right now. Tell me all about it. Gonna. You haven't rolled your eyes yet. You haven't gotten to her yet, really. Well. This is your introduction. She was born Stephanie Joanne Angelina Germanata on March 28th, 1986 to Cynthia Louise and Joseph. Two business-savvy entrepreneurial philanthropists living on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Oh, did they did they like some good gabagool? <laughs> of course, they had the pursuit and the gabagool, gabagool. yeah, and the mozzadell <laughs> every night, every night. But there were no pizza in the pastas. You can't have pizza in the pastas. <laughs> wow, crazy! Every Italian listener <laughs> gone. I think it's easy to look at this situation and say, yeah. This family is pretty well off, and normally I'd feel that you can discount them a little for that, but it's only because I want to eat the rich. But the Germanatas are a hardworking family. Stephanie's parents weren't the types to sit on their laurels, and that's a trait that they most certainly passed on to their children. Okay. Around the age of three, Cynthia found her daughter sitting at the piano, pounding the keys, and was struck with the idea to have Stephanie take piano lessons. Better start them young, right? Sure. And it was soon after that it was discovered she had a natural ear for music, and with enough practice, she could master nearly any piece of music they put in front of her. Stephanie is known for being a hard worker, and she felt with a combination of natural talent and hard work, she could truly become a great musician. When she got a little older, Joseph made a deal with his daughter. If she learned to play his favorite Springsteen song, Thunder Road, he would buy her a baby grand piano. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to buy her the baby grand, <laughs> clearly. But not only did Stephanie step up to the challenge, she surpassed it. She just learned the entire Born to Run piano book. I would hope so if you're getting a baby fucking grand piano. Right? Like, that's like that's just like I would have turned and be like, Dad, just buy me the fucking baby grand. You know I'm going to learn the like, fucking songs. I had to, like, pester the shit out of my mother just to buy me, like, a $30 Casio keyboard for Christmas. Like, not just out of the blue. Yeah. For Christmas. Christmas. My my big thing was more like the, the negotiations I would make with my piano teacher. Is that <laughs> I, I really wanted to learn that song, Kissing You, from Romeo and Juliet. And she's uh -huh. like, all right, we'll work on that. But, like, I also had to, like, work on, like, some fucking Mozart piece that I really didn't care about. A lot of music teachers do that to you. Especially when you're really into pop and, like, singer-songwriters. Like, all right, here's the deal. We'll work on that, but you need to work on this aria. And I'm like, but I don't... Fine. <laughs> Fine. I wouldn't know. I didn't get to take musical lessons when I was a kid. I had a really janky upright p uh, piano that was out of tune all the time. Oh, that was my grandmother's piano. Like, I'm not bougie, but I didn't have but a like, baby grand. My Hold grandmother's <laughs> piano, she could only play like two songs on it. And... <laughs> She was a chain smoker. Yeah. So the keys were like brown. 
Mine too, because my mom was a chain sm- That's why they were brown. And that's, yeah, that's I why they were brown. That You never, never made that correlation. Nope. Wow. <laughs> yeah, because if you ever like pushed one of the keys, you could see the side of the ones next to it and they were yeah, bright, they were bright white. white. Oh. Yeah. All right. I learned something today. <laughs> For a good chunk of her childhood, piano was the only thing Stephanie focused on. But one day she was at a small shop with her mom and singing to herself when the store owner stopped her to tell her how good he thought she sounded and suggested that she try taking a couple lessons from his uncle. He's like, hey, my uncle, he's a, he's a field voice teacher. Why don't you take some lessons? Like, Get my gabagool from him. <laughs> you got to pay him a gabagool, though. <laughs> he knows a good voice when he hears one. <laughs> it's from all the mozzadella eats. <laughs> he's in the back. Let me introduce you to him. Oh, my God. It's just a... Parma ham. Oh my god! <laughs> just a Parma ham on a chair, next like, to like a ball of dough, just waiting to be made into pizza. My uncle Eddie, <laughs> sing gonna... to him. <laughs> sing for me, <laughs> Uncle Eddie. He's, he's real wacky. He knows everybody. He does. Though. Anyway. <laughs> Cynthia took the info and gave him a call, only to discover that this vocal coach was Don Lawrence, a prestigious teacher who had worked with the likes of Bono, Mick Jagger, Christina Aguilera, and a butt-ton of others, like from Broadway to rock. He's also a Parmaham. He's also a Parmaham wearing a toupee, <laughs> but you're not supposed to tell anyone that. He has really nice rings. Jesus, Ashley. Only on the pinkies, though. Only on the pinkies. <laughs> You know, I don't think he's Italian. I'm just. I you know, hope maybe he is. Italian. I hope he is Italian. He he's n- he's Italian now. Now he is. Welcome to the family, Don. <laughs> By the time she was in high school, she was creating her own songs. She was even going to open mic nights at bars. As she was underage, this was no easy feat. But her parents accompanied her, and as long as they chaperoned her, the bar owners said they were fine with her performing. Okay. And then she'd get fucking smashed. She got so hammered on, <laughs> on Seagram's. Seven and seven. <laughs> her family nurtured and celebrated her passion for music, but not everyone was a believer. Stephanie struggled to be accepted in school, with both students and teachers dismissing her dreams as unrealistic, and Stephanie is just some kind of weirdo. That's rude. Oh, yeah. In typical kids are jerks fashion, kids. The, if there's anything else we've learned from this podcast, it's kids are jerks. Kids are jerks. Odds are there's heroin involved, and, and kids, kids are, are jerks. jerks. <laughs> yeah, check and check. Yep. Well, they tortured her in school. One time, she was meeting up with a few friends that she actually did have at a pizza place when a group of jackass jock boys literally picked Stephanie up and threw her in a trash can. What? Right? People actually did that? Yeah. Like some dumb 80s movie. Okay, Emilio Estevez from The Breakfast Club. You're real fucking cool. Right? Oh, I bet you think you're hot shit. Jesus. And at the time, she just laughed it off as if it didn't bother her, but the memory hurt her for years and years. At the very least, it never stopped her from trying to reach her dreams. She auditioned for every musical, but never managed to land a lead role despite her powerful singing voice because she never looked the part. So? Yeah. But when they were holding auditions for her favorite musical, Guys and Dolls, Stephanie went in for the kill. She wanted the part of Adelaide more than anything and knew no one would play it as well as her. 
So she showed up to the audition in a blonde wig and put on a flawless performance. The teachers couldn't deny that it was a part she was born to play, and she landed her coveted role. But something else was born from that experience. Her love of wigs and learning that she could change her look and affect the way people saw her. Yeah, that's what stage makeup's for. Yep. All of a sudden you're like, oh my god, I look so different. (laughs) That's why I dye my hair all the time. I mean, I just do it because I get really bored with that mousy brown real quick. That too. Woof. Yep. It should come as no surprise to hear she gained early acceptance into NYU's Tisch School of the Arts at 17 years old. She moved on campus but never stopped performing wherever she could. She would even drag her keyboard around the city streets and busk for some pocket change. She wasn't above it. She was that girl in the subway stop and you're like, oh, look at you. You're playing a song. Good for you. It just reminds me of that stupid commercial with uh, the girl playing music in a subway. And like instead of people putting money into her guitar guitar case, they're taking it out. And then at the end, they're like, you wouldn't steal money from this person. So don't steal music <laughs> off the Internet. I have never seen that. But wow, that it's is like, the most early odds thing I've ever yeah, heard Yeah, and they life. still air it on basic cable. Amazing. It's ridiculous. Oh, honey, we, we're, we're just all streaming now. So we're don't all worry fucking about it. pirates. It's Yar. fine. Yarg, bitch. Despite learning a whole lot about art, music, and theater, and taking the time to improve her writing skills, Stephanie wasn't feeling like she was executing her full potential at school and decided to drop out in her sophomore year. Saves her some student loans to pay back. Like, girl was smart, though. Come on. And NYU, I'm sure that's quite expensive. Even with uh, any kind of scholarship you might get, I'm sure. Now, this didn't come without some negotiations with her parents. Her father said, okay, go ahead. See, we can do on your own, but you only have a year. If you don't end up with a record deal or something to show that you are solidly heading in the right direction, you got to go back to school. She better hustle. Girl got hustle. And hustle she did. Mm. Like I said, girl's a hard worker and her parents encouraged that behavior. So she immediately got her own place in Manhattan, picking up odd jobs here and there to pay her rent. She must have been doing some crazy odd jobs to afford that. Well, yeah, she had three different jobs. I believe she was performing at like, like not a burlesque show, but like something along like a that, variety, like show. a variety show thing. And like she was doing piano for people, and then she was waitressing, and huh. she might have even been dancing at some place at one point in her career, before her career took off. She was a dancer, like a go-go dancer. Mm-hmm. I think this might have been that time. With the help of a few other NYU students, she started a band called the SG Band, which stood for the Stephanie Germanata Band. Yeah. Just in case. For some reason, it reminds me of S Club 7. So that's all I'm picturing is like young Lady Gaga with S Club 7 <laughs> behind her. SGS Club 7. There's too many S's. We got to kick you out. <laughs> she was so close. So close. They performed anywhere they could and became staples in the Lower East Side. If you're picturing the blonde pop star we know her as now, you are really off base. Initially, Stephanie played keyboards with her naturally dark brown hair, performing Led Zeppelin, Bowie, and other familiar rock classics. She did not picture herself as a pop icon. She was way more into rock. Mm -hmm. And yeah, she definitely lent herself more as a singer-songwriter than like a pop goddess. Yeah. In 2006, the SG band performed at the Cutting Room for the Songwriters Hall of Fame New Songwriters Showcase, where she grabbed the attention of Wendy Starland, who was there on behalf of Robert Fusari. He was currently looking for a woman to front a Strokes-type band and believed Stephanie was perfect for it. 
like a manufactured strokes like band with a female front? Exactly. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you keep Wait. rolling your eyes there. Were the strokes manufactured? Because I would 100% believe the strokes were manufactured. I don't think they were. I don't think so either. I don't have a follow-up to that. I just don't think but they also, were. But also, I kind of want to start that rumor. Can we start that yeah. rumor? No. Okay, you know cool. what? You know what? Strokes are manufactured. Guys, Fuck did you stroke. know the strokes are manufactured by Lou Perlman's cousin, <laughs> Don Perlman? <laughs> he's just a calzone with rings. <laughs> no, he's like a bratwurst with rings. Oof. He's not. He's not Italian. He's not a calzone. Oh, he's not Italian? Lou Perlman? Yeah. I highly doubt it. His cousin is. No, I want his cousin to be a bratwurst. Fine. <laughs> All right. He's a bratwurst with rings. Slimy. Greasy. When Wendy introduced Rob to Stephanie, he was quite dubious. She didn't have a definitive style, let alone the grungy look he was hoping for. He appreciated her quirkiness, but felt pretty confident it just wasn't going to work. But once she began to perform for him at the studio, Rob's mind changed completely. He saw all the raw talent she had and even the untapped potential that was hidden below the surface. Stephanie was ready to sign whatever contract he made up for her. But before that, her father stepped in because like, good for you, dad. Call your dad. <laughs> or your mom. Or your mom. Call a, pa- call call a, a parental unit. Yes. Father stepped in and they got together to create their own company, Team Love Child LLC. From there, they hit the ground running, creating songs and demos to shop around. Okay. One of the biggest things that Stephanie would get from Rob would be her infamous stage moniker, Lady Gaga. While performing a new song in the studio, Rob just looked at her and said, you're just so Gaga. You're so Freddie Mercury. You're so dramatic. From there, he would sing his favorite Queen song upon her entrance, which was Radio Gaga. But he said a story that he texted her once. And just texted Radio Gaga, but, like, his finger slipped and it corrected it to Lady Gaga. And she ended up saying, I really like this. And they, hmm. then, then okay. she took it from there. Whatever. At the end of the day, the nickname Gaga just caught on. And not only Rob, but others would refer to her as Gaga. Like, at one point, she just would look at people and who would call her Stephanie. And she'd be like, no, call me Gaga. That's my name. So eventually, Stephanie knew this was it. The name stuck and she added Lady as a feminine formality. Okay. So, yeah. She became a Lady Gaga. And speaking of feminine formalities. <laughs> is it that time? It's about that time. It's about that time we get real formal in the bedroom. Because, you know, when you're in the bedroom, it's, you know, sometimes you want to make an event out of it. So you want to send out, the, send out the invites. Mm-hmm. You know, say, hey, meet me in my bedroom. <laughs> We're going to have a really nice time. Wear your best whatever. Like yeah. furry costume, negligee, I don't know what gets you off, and I ain't going to judge you for that. And then you're going to oh. break out the toys. <laughs> the toys that you got from adamandeve.com using our code CANDYPOD. Pew, pew. You can't tell. I'm doing finger guns. Finger guns. Because we got a little deal. So you go over to adamandeve.com and you pick almost any item for 50% off. And then after that, get a couple little couple little little lovely gifts here a little something maybe for him maybe for her maybe for them or both of you to share or for all of you to share i don't know how many people are coming to this event that you're hosting but it's going to be a formal affair with the most formal of dildos going to be quite fun 
Get little bow ties, put them on the dildos. Maybe get like a gown for the fleshlight. <laughs> a, nice, I mean, a nice veil. Yeah, a nice little veil. Ooh, maybe like some masks and like turn into like an eyes wide shut a sex nice, toy party. A nice maybe crotchless pair of underwear. Mm, there you go. Be great for a fleshlight. Perfect. <laughs> the fleshlight would love it. Wait a minute. Oh my God. Now I'm just thinking about putting crotchless panties on a fleshlight. <laughs> and it could work. Yeah, if you finagle it the right way. Yeah. All right. We can do this. But here's the thing, too. You're not just going to have all the toys. You also get like some background entertainment because they're going to send you six spicy films. Spicy films. So spice. So you're going to get the toys, the toy you ordered. Or the item you ordered. I should mm-hmm. assume you're getting toys. And then you're going to get the spicy films. But also, free shipping. So much free stuff. It's a lot, guys. It's a lot getting up on here. So, you got all that stuff. All you got to do is when you go to checkout, put in our code, CANDYPOD. C-A-N-D-Y-P-O-D. Not no. the band. But you will feel so alive. Yeah. So, go ahead. Check that out. And, uh, you know, help us out a little bit, too. And get a little... We'll coin in our purse. And now back to Lady Gaga. Okay. <laughs> Initially, Rob and Gaga were trying to create a repertoire of songs in her preferred genre, rock. Mm-hmm. But no one was biting. And after a while and doing some research, they saw just how difficult it is for women to make it in the world of rock and decided maybe they should try another approach. Yeah. It would be, I suppose, especially difficult for a singular female yeah. To make it in the world of rock. I mean, I think if in she's general, not like a Lilith Fair singer songwriter with an acoustic guitar. Yeah. Because while she was a singer songwriter, I would not have categorized what she did with, you know, like a Lilith Fair. She's not Indigo Girl. Yeah. Or even really Alanis Morissette or anything like that. She's so. more of an Indigo lady. <laughs> she wasn't. She wasn't. Yeah. She wasn't really of that ilk. But it wasn't just as simple as saying, okay, rock ain't gonna do it, so let's do pop. Gaga didn't love the generic pop sound. Her idols were those who pushed boundaries, not stayed in the status quo lane. So while they agreed to go more towards pop, it was gonna have to have some depth. It was gonna have to have some glam. Gaga idolized the likes of Bowie and Queen, so when she created her songs, they had some grit and some sense of mystery. One of the first songs she and Rob wrote together was Beautiful Dirty Rich, a song that is about feeling glamorous, even if you aren't rich. Kind of like when you hang out with your team of trash people and friends and you know you're going to just be taking the bar over all night and feel like local royalty. When you're a garbage gang and you dance on radiators at a dive bar. Yeah, that's what Beautiful Dirty Rich is about. Okay. Just about being a trash person, having a really fun night out. Cool. Funny thing is... Gaga didn't dress like she was going out on the town. Initially, she didn't think all that much about her image. She tended to wear leggings with a slightly baggy top. Maybe she'd slip out a shoulder here and there. Ooh, Ooh scandal. Provocative. So provocative. You know, now that I think about it, I do half wonder if it has to do with like the fact that her parents would go to all of her shows. So I wonder if she just got in this niche of like, I can be a little sexy, but not really. Can't show my tits yet. But I can show my shoulders. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> so provocative. Ooh. Next, she'll be showing her ankles. Naughty ladies. If the men know we can shapeshift, they'll tell the church. Yeah, she didn't want the church knowing. The church can't know they'll burn her alive. <laughs> like, what? 
<laughs> well, it was a complete 180 from what we know her to look like now, with her provocative statement outfits and ridiculous shoes and boots that Ashley hates. And meat dresses. Yeah, she wasn't doing that shit. Yeah. She just, it just wasn't part of her niche at that point. Right. Rob and others had to be on her about how she looked when she went into the studio, telling her that part of being a star was looking the part. Prince wasn't going into 7-Eleven dressed like Chris Rock. So if she wanted to catch the attention um, of a label, they needed to... I'm sorry. I'm they... just picturing Prince going into 7-Eleven, period. <laughs> okay. Prince isn't going into 7-Eleven. But if he were, he wasn't going to like go in like with jeans and a t-shirt. He was going to go in in a yellow jumpsuit with his ass hanging out. Yeah. And people were like, well, that's definitely Prince. Yeah. He wants everyone to know he is at this 7-Eleven. <laughs> Let's Everyone knows that, that Prince and his ass are at the 7-Eleven. He wants someone to tell the church. <laughs> he done burned the church down already. No, he didn't. He with was quite his religious. Ass. Oh, did he like light a fart on fire? <laughs> like, what? I hope so. I hope so. He did not. No, he could just Prince like. Not- Prince did not fart. After months of hard work, a break was finally on the horizon. Rob got in touch with the VP of Def Jam Records, Joshua Sarabin. I know. It sounds like Saruman. So <laughs> it's spelled S A R U B I N. So it's it Saruban. It's Saruman. This it's, checks out though. But oh, like, he yes. is the VP of Def Jam Records. Yeah, this is fucking Saruman. Right. He was talking to Saruman. <laughs> After playing a few tracks, the guy got into the studio where she showcased a few of her songs and it was interrupted by the one and only L.A. Reed, who was so impressed by her sound and theatrics that they signed her right away. He keeps popping up all over the he place. He really does. Hmm. And the way they tell the story is it kind of seemed like somebody kind of gave him like, I guess, like a code word of like when somebody's really good to like pretend that like, oh, I can hear you in my office. That's <laughs> like, nah, I heard you good. Let's see it. Somebody was like, yo, L.A., we got donuts in the conference room. <laughs> and he's like, oh, shit. And then he goes and he's like, I thought there were going to be donuts. Oh, I'm just looking for the conference room. I heard they was donuts. Oh, hey. <laughs> but also, where are the donuts? But also, get me some fucking donuts. I'm L.A. fucking Reed. I demand donuts. <laughs> now I want a donut. Yeah. God damn it. In September 2006, she signed an artist development deal and slated her first release to be in May of the next year. So she got to work and waited to hear back from them, except she never did hear back from them. What? Gaga would wait for L.A. Reed to come out of his office for entire days sometimes so she could talk with him. But that meeting never came. She would just sit and sit and wait. And he just never came out of his office. I mean, I'm sure he has like a secret door. <laughs> I assume everyone has a secret door. Well, is he at the beck and call of Saruman? Because, yeah, he's probably <laughs> yeah. got a secret door. Oh. Well, in that case, he just has like wizard magic that like <laughs> poof, he's out of here, out of his room. Yeah, no, it just floats him to the top of the building. He's got magic donuts that like if and he then, just takes a bite, and then the eagles come and sweep him away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's how that works. <laughs> we, we're on to L.A. Reed. Def Jam is just Middle Earth. It's just it's just as Mordor. Ruled, as ruled by Saruman. Oh my, it's God. Isengard. Oh, it is Isengard. You're right. Taking Lady Gaga to Isengard. They're taking Gaga to Isengard. They're taking Gaga to Isengard. Wow. Yeah. Every episode. Cannot not talk about Lord of the Rings. At this point, I'm going to make a point of talking about Lord of the Rings every episode. Can't stop. 
won't stop. Within three months, after doing nothing but wasting her time, Gaga was dropped from the label. What? Yeah. She just screamed at somebody. The best anyone can muster is that Reed signed Gaga without any real plan. Once the label really looked at her, they just didn't know where she would fit in or how to market her, so they just decided to let her go. They couldn't just be like, look, we we signed you a little preemptively, so we're just going to let you go so you can go about your business and find somebody else that is actually worthy of your time. But instead, they were just like, Bye. Nah. We're just going to ignore her until yeah. we can get rid of her. Don't yeah. say anything. She'll fucking go away. <laughs> just picture like that family guy bit <laughs> with George Bush. It's like, LA, she's here again. Don't bother me. I'm reading super fudge. <laughs> Don't make me do stuff. If I just leave her alone, she'll go away. <laughs> but also, he could just go up to her and be like, look, I did not know those donuts were edibles. <laughs> I was really high when I signed you. Honestly, I don't think that you're not talented. I just have no idea what to do with this. It's not. I'm high right now. It's not you. It's me. <laughs> and the donuts. And Saruman. It's most. Oh my God. It's just Saruman. It's just like, Saruman. you know, I thought I had a plan with her for the one ring, but you know what? I don't. <laughs> I just don't. She's too Gandalfy for me. I can't handle it. And then they just kept her on top of a cat or on the top of like Isengard for like <laughs> on the top of Orthanc. Yes. Thank you. Like... You're going to know all the technical terms here. <laughs> this was unfortunately something Gaga was very used to. No one knew where to categorize her and her music. Rock found her to be too theatrical. Theater found her to be too pop. She was so eclectic that most people just believed there was no place for her. So don't forget, this is still the aughts when we're like, black eyed peas are great. <laughs> so. Yeah, low rise yeah. hip huggers and belly rings. <laughs> yeah. This, this this is what we were. Our, Frosted our, lipstick. Yeah. Paris Hilton. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, that was our life back then. They <laughs> Dirty didn't know Christina to, Aguilera. Yeah, they didn't know what to do with somebody like Gaga who was like, I'm creative. And they're like, what? But also, you're not showing your tits enough. Do you got some side nip for me, though? Yeah. But can you wear assless chaps? Answer would be yes. Yeah, oh, she but can not for a while. wear assless chaps. Just not for a while. Yeah, she's not there yet, but she'll get there. That December, a devastated Gaga went to stay with her family for a little bit to recover from this blow. From there, she did a bit of soul searching. And while going out, she discovered the joy of performing in neo-burlesque shows. It was there she met a woman who would help Gaga find her image and the courage to express it in a way true to herself. Lady Starlight was also performing at these shows as a dancer and DJ. They connected on their mutual lady names and became fast friends. They got together to create an act called Lady Gaga and the Starlight Review. They coined themselves as the, quote, ultimate pop burlesque show, and they were a real hit. They became renowned enough to land themselves a spot at the 2007 Lollapalooza Festival. Oh, wow. Yeah, they had a little spot. And it was just like a real... They were wearing these glammed out bikinis and like fishnets and heels and just were real trash pandas and <laughs> really worked. Yeah. Until and also, side note, Lady Starlight is really good DJ. Like if oh. I have the chance to see her perform, I'm gonna go see her perform. She's quite good. Sounds good. During this time, Gaga and Rob were still working on songs together. Most of these would make up her debut release. She was also working with other producers and singers like Red One and Akon. 
Anyone who worked with her were impressed with her talents and work ethic. Finally, she began to grab the attention of label types again. Demos were sent out, and now these guys were coming out to shows and seeing what was up. It all came to a head when she grabbed the attention of Interscope Records chairman Jimmy Iovine. Hmm. <laughs> you can roll your eyes there, too. Hmm. I don't know what it is about Jimmy Iovine I don't like, but there's something about him. Something. I, I know that he has a million of amazing talents under his belt, but I something about him. <laughs> Makes he's me uneasy. Probably touched people. Oh, yeah. He's a man in like in a position of authority. Yeah, in music. Yeah, yeah. he's definitely touched people. Yeah. Initially, she signed a deal with Streamline Records with Vincent Herbert, and that was just a subsidiary of Interscope. But by 2007, they made a deal with Interscope that they would promote five of Streamline's acts. Lady Gaga being one of them. Oh, everyone was impressed with her. Not just her voice, but her ability to write a song. And so Interscope had her writing songs for other artists like New Kids on the Block, Britney Spears, the Pussycat Dolls, and the list goes on. God, I hope she didn't write that god-awful single that Jordan Knight came out with. No, because I think that came out before Gaga. I think it did. That was like early aughts. I just, I fucking hate that song. The the Give It, give it to You? Yeah, That's the it. I'm Gonna Date Rape You song. Yeah, cool. Because yeah. you know what? You know you want it. Look at that Ferris wheel. Look at how it's dressed. You know you want me in you. <laughs> it's cool. I'm in a turtleneck in the baggiest pants you've ever seen. But yeah, you be skimpy. Now, by the time Gaga was getting a record deal, Rob really wasn't in the picture as much. See, they had begun a romantic relationship a while back, about a few months after they started working together in 2006. Mm -hmm. But around the same time that she lost her Def Jam contract... Rob broke things off with her. Cool. Perfect I, timing. I think it was actually just 100% like coincidence. I think it was all just kind of the end of 2006. It yeah. just was everything was falling apart, which is why she really needed some her time. Mm -hmm. You can make the argument that the wounded heart made it difficult for them to work together and they slowly became less collaborative. Mm -hmm. So he kind of just was less in the picture with her. And once she started getting signed and... Right. Working with other producers, it's like, well, why do you, Rob doesn't need to be in the picture as much? Right. By 2008, Gaga had relocated to LA and worked with her label to finish her debut release. She also put together the House of Gaga, house spelled H-A-U-S. House. Okay. Is that how you say it? House. You say house. House. It's house. House. Of Gaga. With the hose of Gaga. Hose. Yo, Gaga's hose up in here. Actually, now I wish it was hose of Gaga. A creative team that was modeled after Andy Warhol's factory. Is that really what you want to label it after? That's what she said. Now, here's the thing. I don't know shit about... I really don't know shit about Andy Warhol. I, well, arguably, I don't know a whole lot, but like... Was, I can see that as being problematic, but also I get why she did it, too. She idolized Warhol for a long time. But why? Yeah, she was a young, eclectic I just, art I, kid. I never understand why people worship Andy Warhol. I have no fucking clue why they did. I think a specific type of art kid is going to worship Warhol, I right? Guess. Like it's the oh, type you mean the most insufferable kind? Yes. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, I think there's like... Uh, uh, there's there's a spectrum, right? Because you have like the weird, <laughs> bubbly, uh, like colorful art people like Gaga, right? Who's like, I want to shock and awe. Uh huh. Um, and then you have like the men that want to touch people inappropriately. 
I don't know. You always have them. I have no idea if Warhol touched people inappropriately. I don't think Warhol Probably not. But I'm just saying, like, I feel like men, like, gross guys will use that as a way to impress women so they can touch them inappropriately. Yeah, he just hung around with a a plethora of different people, and a lot of them were not the greatest people. So Sounds about right. Well, either way, all the weird ideas that Gaga has... They helped her make them a reality. You know, it was a collective work for performances, videos, photo shoots, outfits, whatever. And it was one of the aspects of her brand that made her so unique. A lot of her ideas, like, may have come from her brain, but she didn't know how to execute them. So she had this group of people to help her realize these. Yeah, I mean... She understood, like, she can't do all of it on her own. And this was a smart move on her part because branding is a huge part of getting anything yeah any sort of popularity Mm -hmm. so to figure out what your brand is and really latch on to it and develop it early on it's a pretty good idea it's real smart and also like having all those get a grip friends around you gonna help you to not like fuck it up right off the bat yeah after busting her ass for all this time finally in august 2008 lady gaga saw the release of her debut album the fame Her first single, Just Dance, took the world by storm, but I'd argue it was the follow-up, Poker Face, that made her a true standout to the masses. Everybody knows Poker Face. Oh, God. Poker Face was everywhere. Like, Just Dance was, like, I feel like in the background of everywhere. Yeah. But everybody loved Poker Face. Um, I definitely heard it on repeat incessantly while I worked at H&M. Oh, I bet you did. For an entire year. uh, Just Dance. Uh... This one, Poker Face, Paparazzi. Mm-hmm. I think those were the three that were in rotation literally every fucking hour. Yeah. For nine hours a day, five days a week. That's fun. Is it? No. <laughs> Is it fun? I'm not I'm not even gonna say that that sounds fun, but that's also the curse of having those like music while you're at work. Yeah. And the only time they changed that CD was when it was Christmas, and believe me, it was Christmas in October. In that store. So, yeah. Fucking Uh, gag me with a spoon. I'd rather die. It's fair. I just remember Christopher Walker walking doing a reading of Poker Face. He's like, (laughs) P-P-P-Poker Face. Poker Face. (laughs) Oh, 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 oh. Poker Face. You should just go or just YouTube it. It's really funny. Top 40 rarely, if ever, saw such dance-infused sound in its pop music. It at least had been a very long time since they had. And Gaga was here to be noticed and change the game for the rest of the world. And her dance album was a total hit. And her debut album was a total hit. Reaching the top five albums in the U.S. and winning a Grammy for the best dance electronica album. Even though she was just stepping out into the world of music... The Fame is an album that deals with the duality of celebrity and their fans and how fame can affect someone on their way to the top. After several months of touring, though, Gaga found herself inspired for a darker sound and began to write more music, which worked out well because Interscope wanted to do a re-release of The Fame, but she kind of felt like that was a cheap move. She's like, Why would they re-release it? Because now she's even bigger. So? I don't know how these things work. I'm just... I'm just spewing the facts here. 2008 was a weird time, guys. Yeah, seriously. But Gaga knew that that was like a cheap ripoff. Yeah. 
So, what she opted for was a deluxe re-release that also included an EP titled The Fame Monster. Okay. And this included eight new tracks on top of what was already released with The Fame. See, that's how I got The Fame. I ended up getting the deluxe release that was The Fame Monster. Okay. And so I I thought they were two separate albums. They are. Kind of. But they got, like, The Fame Monster was basically... They really packaged them together. Yeah. And that was on purpose. That was definitely a marketing ploy. She also wanted this to be considered her sophomore release, though. And she says it's a fully realized album that can stand on its own. And honestly, it can. It's eight tracks. They're full songs. Yeah. And most of them were fucking... They were all bangers. And most of them were on the radio. Mm-hmm. Like, the fame got her noticed. The fame monster got everybody to say, yup, here for it. Mm-hmm. But this time, she didn't just look at the dark side of fame. She wrote songs about the monsters she has encountered throughout this journey. The fear of sex monster, fear of love monster, fear of alcohol, etc., etc. Any fear, it's there. At the time, Gaga found herself obsessed with horror movies, and so the fame monster very much highlights themes of sex and death. It became the yang to the fame's yin. Mm -hmm. And in an interview, basically, Gaga had said she finds... Especially with horror movies, you know, sex and death go together. I right. Mean, every horror movie you watch, like, and that's, get fucked, those are the two die. main things. Yeah, sex and death are the things that are most prominent in horror right. films. So sh- that's a big theme. Those are big themes throughout the Fame Monster. That's why 13 year olds and me like them very much. Yes. <laughs> Love watching all that sex and death. Mm. Like when, like when Kevin Bacon gets gets killed in in the first Friday the 13th, right after he bones. So you get Kevin Bacon. No, you know what you should watch? The Devils. I've never seen that. Um, I just watched it recently. And actually, <laughs> Mike downloaded it. We we pirated it. <gasps> you wouldn't steal from a guitarist in Subway <laughs> Manhattan. Why would you steal a horror movie from the 70s? Um, because we wanted to and we can't find it anywhere else. Yeah. But no, it was really fucking good. Oh, is that one they were talking about on last podcast? Yes, it, because it is about the nuns of of Ludon. Yes. The nuns of Ludon. Yes. Very good. Very, very good. All it is is sex and death. That's All it. Right. All sex, right. Sex and murders. Well, that sounds like I should probably go get myself some toys from AdamEve.com using our <laughs> code CandyPod and watch I mean, that movie. You probably have to be a little bit fucked up. To like really get off to that movie, but it's it's sexy in a gross way. <laughs> it's gross sex. It is. All yeah. right. All right. I could I could fucks with that. By now, if you hadn't heard of Gaga before, you definitely did. Within less than two weeks, she was everywhere. For one week, eleven of her songs were charting in the di- digital songs charts, and the fame made a jump from thirty fourth to number six in a spot on the album charts. To promote the record, Lady Gaga embarked on the Monster Ball Tour. It's reported that it made over $227 million with 200 shows and is the highest grossing by a debut artist. And like I said at the beginning, that was a fucking banger of a show and basically changed what I thought concerts were supposed to be. Mm -hmm. It was redonkulous. In 2010, she was reaching new heights in business ventures with Polaroid and Monster Cable Products. But not all was coming up Gaga when her production company, Mermaid Music LLC, was sued by former producer and boyfriend, Rob Fusari. Oh, come on. 
He claimed he was owed 20% of the company's earnings. Oh, is he? I mean, he did co-write a lot of her songs. And this was actually a surprisingly private lawsuit. Yeah, I've never heard of it before. Right. Um, the court proceedings were messy, though. And Gaga's lawyer claimed the original agreement that they had made when she- he signed her was actually not lawful. So she countersued him. Okay. Eventually, they settled out of court for some undisclosed amount of money for Rob. Okay. Or actually, we don't even know if it was money. Nobody knows what the agreement was. Hmm. It's very hush-hush. He just got a whole bunch of free stuff from AdamandEve.com using Lady Gaga's code. (laughs) Gaga pod. (laughs) Put some Gaga in your pod. (laughs) But what would end up biting him in the ass is when he would get sued by Wendy and lose... Because she was the one who actually discovered Gaga, if you remember. <laughs> Wait, she, which one is Wendy? Wendy was the one who went out on his behalf and brought her to him and said, hey, this oh, chick. And he was like, nah, I don't know. And she's like, no, no, no. That's true. That's so hilarious. He theoretically didn't even discover her. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't. Wendy did. Hilarious. Don't worry. Wendy Wendy made out on that. Good. So. Good for you, Wendy. I did watch an interview with Rob, and he seems like a troubled person. I feel kind of bad for him. I bet you he's in cahoots with Dr. Luke now. He's also probably in cahoots with Wardor. He's just... Saruman. Gargling their dicks. Gargling their their nuts. Like... Mm. mm. Licking those balls. Those sweaty, salty balls. Mm. If that wasn't enough that year, Gaga would also get diagnosed with lupus, which is the same disease that claimed the life of her aunt, Joanne, before Stephanie was even born. However, she wasn't showing any symptoms and said that as long as she kept healthy, she should probably be okay. Huh. I mean, she felt fine. Suppose that's why it's important to get checked out regularly by your doctor. Yep. Health Says insurance. the person who hasn't gone to the doctor in 12 years. Yep. <laughs> oh, I see the irony. <laughs> But this chick didn't stop. In May 2011, we would see the release of the single Born This Way, which would be the first off of her next album of the same name. Mm-hmm. The song itself was Gaga's anthem for anyone who needs to say, this is who I am, accept it or shut your mouth. She was inspired by the empowering songs in the 90s by the likes of Madonna, TLC, Whitney Houston, and Vogue. They were just all singing to women in disenfranchised communities. And so that's what Gaga wanted to portray through that. Mm-hmm. And at its core, it's a lovely song for Gaga's little monsters to have so they can celebrate themselves in their uniqueness. But it's pretty tainted by criticism. So yep. I guess it's time to address the elephant in the room. Yep. I don't know how much we talk. I, I honestly drink too much and don't remember how much we talked about this in the Madonna episode, but here we go again. I don't think we talked about it at all in the Madonna here episode. Here we go again, talking shit. <laughs> all right. Yes, it does sound like Madonna's Express Yourself. It, sound, it sounds extremely like Express Yourself. Your, express Yourself. Express Yourself. It does, though. And damn, every critic was chomping at the bit to make that point over and over again. You would read some of these articles and be like, do you think you're the first person to discover this? Because I think you think it and you're not. Yeah. You're not being clever. No. It it actually got really tired. They asked Gaga about it and she basically said, do you think I'm an idiot who's just trying to get one over on everybody? Yes, the chord progressions are similar. And this isn't new. Just because I put it in the top 40 doesn't mean I'm a plagiarist. It means I'm smart. She's basically making the point of like, yeah, pop music's been doing this 
the whole fucking time. And she like, was just very blatant about it. Yeah. She was just like, yeah, it sounds like express yourself, which is kind of funny because it's not like Madonna didn't steal a lot of shit from right. her underground club days. Right. So maybe pump the brakes. But I don't think that Lady Gaga is being clever by doing this. I don't I I just I don't understand why considering she was such an innovative and creative person why she did do that when it's such a blatant um like comparison yeah i think that stems from the fact that she was inspired to write this song from someone like madonna right and like, there's madonna a big difference isn't... between being inspired and kind of ripping something off yeah but I also, like, don't care enough. I don't care about Madonna enough. <laughs> I just want to give Lady Gaga the business. <laughs> You're like, she wore those fucking boots. She wore those fucking boots. She was wearing the boots during this time. So. <laughs> I saw her. She wore the Giving boots. you the business. <laughs> You're getting the boots business. <laughs> I love it. I love that you hate the boots. I fucking hate them so much. I love it so much. I, it's just like, I'm like. You know what? And, like, it's fine. Like, I just feel like people were just starting to start, or trying to start shit just because they wanted it. Yeah. And I think that's why it bothers me so much, because it's like, who gives a fuck? Because she's right, though. Like, how many fucking pop songs sound exactly the fucking yeah, same? Yeah, exactly. But, like... <laughs> and, like, I do... Gaga was not at all trying to do it to, like, get one over. She's doing it because she does 100% love and admire Madonna. But what I love about this is that it really ruffled Madonna's feathers. Oh, yeah. And she was so pissed oh, about it. They asked Madonna about it, and she called it reductive. Oh, fuck you, Madonna. You're reductive. She's like, I've heard it. It's reductive. And they were like, oh, is it saying, like, it's bad? And she just, like, sips her tea, like, mm, I don't know. You're not clever anymore. Oh, I mean, clever enough, but... She's like, certainly not clever anymore, no. because every time she opens her fucking mouth, when she actually can open her mouth... When it's not plastered shut, mm. she says something fucking stupid or racist or tone deaf or yeah. just terribly classist out of touch or classist or whatever. Like, Madonna fans are going to hate me, but I fucking can't stand Madonna anymore. I'm, I, um, I'm there with you. And so. you know what was really gross, too, in Caddy is one time Madonna performed Express Yourself at a live at a concert and then just, like, mashed in Born This Way to it and sang Born Why? This Way. Because she's a Caddy bitch. You know, it stung Gaga, who worshipped Madonna and only ever wanted to pay tribute to her. And she did hit back a few years later and say, someone said, well, you're, you know, do you think you're the same as Madonna? And she basically said, um, yeah, we're not the same because I play a lot of instruments and write my own songs. Madonna tries really hard to make you think she can play guitar. Yo, she plays guitar real simple, like. She played those power chords that... Pantera plays in that one song. Oh my so god, she's, she's so super talented. Cool. She's great and she had to like stick her tongue out and look at her hands the entire time she was playing. Like, I'm sorry. For five seconds. Gaga is more like, if you look at them at the same age even. Yeah. Like, I'm not even gonna say like Madonna now. I'm gonna say like Madonna back when she was Gaga's age. Like, Madonna is an amazing dancer yeah. and like in amazing shape and could stay gorgeous. But like, Musically wise, no, 
Gaga's way more talented. And Madonna is arguably far out of touch and has been for a while. So, yeah. Anyway, fuck it. I, nowadays, I guess they're fine. Because now I don't even happened, care. I know. Because well, I don't care how Madonna feels about well, anything. What's so funny about it is just like how, like, basically at the Oscars when Lady Gaga won an Oscar, mm-hmm. there were photo shoots of like Madonna cradling Gaga like a cherub, like a Virgin Mary cherub bullshit. And it's like, and I'm sure Gaga's just like, all right, I'll play along because I just want a fucking Oscar, so who cares? Yeah. But like now Madonna's like, oh, we're fr-. and like she even goes back and says, I never said anything bad about Gaga. The oh, internet is a thing. Yeah, that's actually what people say. They're like, did you not know that the things you say are still on the internet? Yeah. They don't go away. <laughs> they don't. Yeah. So this is what I, just, I can't stand Madonna. Anyway, enough about that bullshit. So back to the album, Gaga did write every day, and she recorded whenever she could, whether or not she was on the road. She was very inspired and hyped it just as much, telling everyone, this album is the greatest of her career. She was influenced by everything, from Bruce Springsteen to Pat Benatar to Prince to Iron Maiden to anything in between. Mm -hmm. She even got to work with some big names like Brian May of Queen and Clarence Clemens of the E Street Band. So, you know, got some little names on here. I bet you he was really into the gabagool. <laughs> Clarence Clemens? He was fr- from New Jersey. Oh, yeah. New Jersey's love the gaga, The gaga The gagagool. The gagagool. There you go. <laughs> oh, my God. Uncle Eddie the Parmaham would be proud. He is so He's proud. so proud. <laughs> Born This Way debuted at number one on the Billboard charts and sold more than one million copies in its first week. It overall was well-received, with many seeing this as Gaga at her most raw and honest. Others felt it was a little all over the place, feeling like she was trying to please everyone. And through my research, I feel like this is the beginning of Gaga just misstepping in dog poop for a whole bunch of years. (laughs) Yeah, I think everybody kind of got... We were... We kind of got into this lull where we were kind of in Gaga fatigue. Mm Mm-hmm. So everyone's like, okay, lady, calm the fuck down. Well, she got real. She was, this was her like going to 11 with the weird. Yeah. Which wasn't always bad, but sometimes, yeah, I could see you just like, you get gaga fatigue. Like, okay. Yeah. It's a lot. Like we can handle like the Alexander McQueen weird. Right. But now you're going way off into left field. And I don't know what to do with this. Yeah. And, like, I'm just getting really into indie pop now, so I'm just going to go over here. <laughs> I'm going to hang out over here for a little bit. And go over here and, like, listen to Vampire Weekend and be real vanilla for a couple years. It's fine. On her tour, she received backlash when she landed in Bangkok and tweeted that she wanted to get lost in a lady market and buy a fake Rolex. Um, By lady market, does she mean, like, prostitutes? Yeah. Yeah, maybe not. not, not the most... And her fans were like, Nah, girl. And yeah. The internet's forever. Mm-hmm. The people of Thailand were offended when she came on stage wearing a bikini made out of their flag. Yeah. Not great. I don't think anybody would really take kindly to somebody rubbing their cooch on their flag. Except America. <laughs> America loves it. That is protected under your First Amendment rights. My, cur- my cooch amendment your rights. Cooch amendment. <laughs> In Melbourne, she debuted a new song called Princess Die that dealt with suicide. 
But Lifeline, the International Crisis Support Center Service, stated that they were concerned about the nature of the song as it describes a method of suicide in depth and doesn't seem to promote any message of hope. And then, like, everybody, like, didn't like it. It was called Princess Di. But she tried really hard to emphasize that it wasn't, like, at all about Princess Diana. It was D-I-E. and But also, like, that's that's not good in and of itself. Yeah. I can see, and as I get into it later on, I can see why she made this misstep and how this was made. Yeah. Where she mentally was to make this. And I'm kind of, like, I'm a little, like... But come on, Lifeline. I've heard plenty of fucking songs dealing with suicide that have no hope. Like, there's a whole book about it. I'm more concerned about the title of the song in reference to Princess Diana. Yeah. That is more like, yeah, I get it. It's Princess Die, as in D-I-E. But also, Princess Die is dead. And she died tragically and horribly. And you shouldn't do that. I don't really see this song in any of her stuff anymore so i think she's kind of i've never even heard of it yeah i don't think it i think she kind of buried it yeah granted i was deep in that indie pop yeah wave also what really threw a wrench in things was when gaga had to cancel the rest of her tour after she developed a break and labral tear in her right hip after she repeatedly made the same strenuous moves night after night it's the prince syndrome it's boots it's the boots fucking boots she got surgery to fix the damage But what we will discover later is pain like that never really goes away. Yeah. However, this did give her time to work on her next album that would be released in 2013 called Art Pop. And I would consider this another section of missteps and dog poop. Yeah. (laughs) That might be a new segment. I mean, missteps and dog poop. (laughs) Do 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 dog poop. I'm picturing it to the tune of Lowered Expectations. Lowered Expectations. Yeah, lower your expectations right now. (laughs) You wouldn't think so with the release of the first single, Applause. It's total bop and very positive. It's a pretty fun song. I really liked Applause. I'm like, oh shit, all right, she's still got it. Mm -hmm. Gaga wrote it for her fans as she was recovering from her surgery, claiming that the support and applause of her little monsters was what gave her life. Mm-hmm. It's sweet. It's great. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. The rest of the album? No, not like that. Yikes. oof a She described it as a celebration and a poetic musical journey that displays a lack of maturity and responsibility. She wanted it to mirror a night out at the club. And I think lacking in responsibility is accurate when we address another elephant named R. Kelly. Oh. Oh. Mm. Oh, no. Mm. Lowered expectations. I told you. Lower them. <laughs> Super low expectations. You know, can you bring them down just a little more? <laughs> One track. Ground your expectations. Like, dig a little <laughs> hole for them. <laughs> Dig your fucking grave. Oh, my God. <laughs> One track called Do What You Want is a duet with the R&B hip hop artist and criminal oh, rapist pedophile. Poorly named also. Oh, it is, though. Is it too much to call him the criminal rapist pedophile? No, I think that's pretty accurate. That's very accurate. Okay, yeah. cool. Even at the time of the recording, he had plenty of accusations from women saying he sexually abused him. And yeah. let's not forget... There is a video of him peeing on a child. On a child. There's a video. And he didn't get arrested. And she she obviously knew about it. Because it was out at this time, wasn't it? Video of him peeing on a child. Yeah. 
I'm st- I still can't get over that. Yeah. I still haven't gotten over that. Also, multiple houses that like imprisoned women. This wasn't out yet. And brainwashed. But this he was 20- doing oh, it. No, no, no. He was, but he was doing still it. doing it. But yeah, and like yeah. people fucking knew about it. Mm. Needless to say, many were thrown off by Gaga's decision to do the song. She says it is supposed to be a way for her to tell off detractors who constantly nitpick her bo- her image and her body. Not the way to do that. Not, they, no, no. She believed they can say whatever they want, but her thoughts and her dreams were her own. Sure, but you don't have to do that with R. Kelly. No. No, you don't. You don't. Arguably, she did do a version with Christina Aguilera, which is now her official version. Oh, is it? Yeah, which is still not great. Like, here's the thing. Christina's Isn't it fine. funny how you can, you know, change the official version when people criticize the original? That's fun. Wait, what? <laughs> So I think it's funny that the first version was R. Kelly. Yeah. But now the quote unquote official version is with Christina Aguilera. Yeah. It's pretty funny that you can change the original version and to have a completely different guest on it and call that the original ver- or the official version. Well, I mean, I guess I shouldn't say it's like the official version. It's just that's the one that gets promoted. Right. It's It's great that they are able to do that, to make that switcheroo. You know what I mean? I don't know if you're being sarcastic or not. I'm being serious. Oh, okay. Like, <laughs> like serious. The whole time I'm like, I don't know if she's like, ma- serious, taking the piss or not. Serious in the sense that, like, it's bullshit that you can do that because people criticized you for doing this duet with R. Kelly. Right. So now you're promoting a different version with somebody else who is not a pedophile and a rapist. Well, I think it's Better than, like, I mean, there's still plenty of artists who just are like, yeah, I did that. Who cares? You know what I mean? Like, there are yeah. plenty of songs that are still just out there, like, oh, yeah, where we're going to take a song that we know is by a fucking pedophile rapist and mm-hmm. just be like, well, it's fine because we'll give some money to an organization and just pretend it never happened. <coughs> Green Day. <coughs> yeah. I, I'm not bothered by the fact that she did that because, yeah. like, with this with Christina, it's not as good. Like, it's not. Yeah, she should probably just drop the song, but whatever. That's what like, I'm saying. Like, just drop the song. Don't try and do something different because you realize this person is a problematic yeah, person. Yeah, I think, like, she probably thought at least, like, doing with Christina, you're building up another female artist. I don't know. She should have done that in the first place. I mean, clearly, yo, you know what she should have done is have Lizzo do it with her. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, but mm-hmm. I just want Lizzo and everything. Anyway, the album sold sold well and debuted at number one, but overall, many felt it failed to make a real solid impression it's all over the place and the songs feel half finished. There are a few gems, but overall, it's not an album I feel it's worth revisiting the entirety of. Yeah. I, it's actually one of the few times I'll say, now nah, the singles are the only thing worth listening to. Yeah. Like everything else is kind of trash. What? Wait, what album was Telephone on? That was on the Fame Monster. Oh. Yeah. I really like that song. Ugh, telephone. Banger. Yeah. For the next few years, she still worked on music. Namely, the album she did with Tony Bennett titled Cheek to Cheek, a collaborative jazz album. But she also spent a lot of time acting. She had a bunch of holiday specials that she would do, so that would combine music and acting. But she also had small parts in movies like Machete Kills and Sin City, A Dame to Kill For. This is is the progression into adult Gaga. Yes. Hmm. Adulthood. I tried. (laughs) Acting was one of Gaga's original passions. And while we were given samples here and there, it wasn't until she starred in American Horror Story Hotel that we could truly see what she is capable of. 
She played the hotel owner, Elizabeth, and honestly, she killed it. She impressed everyone and won herself a Golden Globe for Best Actress in a Miniseries. Really? Because yeah. all I read were bad reviews of her oh. acting abilities on it. I thought she did a great job. I never watched it, so... I didn't finish it. I need to start again and rewatch it. Because I, I got... never... I tried twice to watch it, and there are exterior reasons why I just never got to finish it. I got halfway through season two, and I'm like, nope. I'm done. I'm That's done. That's super fair. It seems she was starting to change her image a little bit, looking to be taken a little more seriously than the woman who wore a meat dress once. Yeah. Or twice? She might have worn it twice. I only remember once. I think it was once. And then literally everybody else did it to make fun of her. Oh, okay. That's what I'm thinking. When Gaga performed at the Academy Awards in 2016, she sang Till It Happens to You, a song co-written with Diane Warren for the film The Hunting Ground, which is a documentary about sexual assault on college campuses. It was a powerful image as she was joined on stage by 50 people who also suffered from sexual assault. This topic hits close to home for Gaga, who two years prior to this performance, back in 2014, she came out as a survivor of rape on Howard Stern. At the age of 19, she was repeatedly raped by a producer. She has never felt comfortable naming names, but it's something that has obviously affected her for years to follow. She opened up about her PTSD from this time in her life. Since it was at a time when she was working so hard to start her career, it was easy for her to just bury and ignore it, Mm -hmm. right? But after so many years, shit like that will rear its ugly head, especially if you never deal with it. So Gaga says around the time between Born This Way and Art Pop, she was in an incredibly dark place. She found herself being angry and trying to work through it in her music. And that's how she ended up making tracks like Do What You Want where she felt like she was making a statement, but it actually felt flat because she wasn't really dealing with her shit. She just was like making poor choices because she was erratic and wasn't sure what the right choice was. Mm-hmm. After um, Surviving R. Kelly came out, she expressed these feelings and apologized profusely for ever working with him. Yeah, refused them- the song from wherever it can be downloaded or purchased. And that's what I mean by that's why the Christine Aguilera one is like the only one that so they try to reference. When did she do the song with R. Kelly? So Art Pop was twenty thirteen. So twenty thirteen. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then like I she was I and a lot of people speculate too, there might have been something going on. There might have been a reason that she had to work with him. There might have been a reason that like she never like demoted it until then. I don't know. Mm. But I mean, there's also like a part of me that just says we can only cancel culture for so long, right? We can only like begrudge people for like, well, you should have done this soon there, you should have done this. Like, fuck, at least she did it. And yeah. I know a lot of people are like, you can't, no, we have to. Like, I we're mean, at a point now where it's like, we can't keep just being like, we can't dismiss people for like making poor choices. She could have been in a dark place. I almost guarantee she had a shit ton of pressure on her to work with R. Kelly. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean... It probably was not her first choice. I'm so. sure she just... And then she just embraced and said, well, whatever. And maybe there was a part of her was like, you know what? I can use this to, like, subvert expectations and, like, yeah. dealing with my own rape and he's a rapist. I don't know. Somehow this could work. And also, if she ever... If there ever became, like, bad blood between her and her record label and she wanted to get out she could just be like they forced me to work with r kelly right seriously she could have been like yo here's why i worked with r kelly yeah so i mean who knows but 
I'm not going to begrudge her for it. She did the right thing. She got rid of it. She's completely disowned it. And whatever, she fucking did it. And, like, girls had to deal with her own piles of bullshit with this. I'm not going to tell somebody who has been through something like this, like, how to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Because I can't even imagine the first step of what that would be like. Yeah. So, she did the right thing. Her maturity continued to show with her next album, Joanne, or Beer. Yes, the album is named after the aforementioned late aunt, whose influence Gaga has felt her whole life. It got very stripped down. It really doesn't sound like this huge, dramatic pop album. It's much more country and a bit more soft rock than her previous works. Yeah. This album truly shows off her vocal prowess. Songs like Perfect Illusion shows her amazing range, and others like Joanne are just pitch perfect and deeply raw. Mm -hmm. I mean, Joanne's a fucking beautiful song. It's, I don't know, if you listen to it, you feel emotion to it. And you know what drives me crazy is a lot of people are like, I didn't like Perfect Illusion. I'm like, why? It's a banger, and her voice is amazing on it. You're a scrub. I just get mad at people who don't like that song. She worked with a lot of amazing talent on this record, too. We see Florence Welsh in Hey Girl, Beck in Dancing in Circles, Josh Homme in John Wayne, and the production from likes of Mark Ronson and Nile Rodgers. Mm-hmm. So she's working with some legit motherfuckers. It is celebrated for being a truly soul-searching experience. It is her fourth number one album in a row, making her the first woman to do that in the U.S. charts. 2017 started off with a big damn deal for Gaga as she was asked to headline the Super Bowl that year. Girl took it hella serious and put on one of the best shows we've seen in a long time. Super Bowl's boring as fuck. She did not make it boring. (laughs) It even earned her an Emmy nomination for Outstanding Special Class Program, which apparently is a thing I didn't know. Didn't know that was a thing. No idea. What I really would suggest to everyone listening is that you have Netflix... Watch the documentary Gaga 5'2". It covers the making of Joanne and the prep for the Super Bowl. And on top of all that, it goes into her chronic pain, which is a huge thing in her life right now. She was diagnosed with fibromyalgia and lives with pain daily. That sucks. It, ugh. Have you seen 5'2"? No. It's very good, and it's really eye-opening, like, the shit that fucking woman has to deal with. Mm-hmm. Like, the pain that she genuinely goes through for her art. One could assume, too, that it's that her pain is aggravated by all the intense dancing she does for her shows, but also the traumatic stress and depression that she's lived through and has taken so long to deal with. Because let's be honest, stress and anxiety will affect you physically. Mm-hmm. For sure. But watch the doc, though, because it's genuinely a great look into an incredible pop star's life. The film I'm sure many have seen, though, is A Star is Born. Nope. A remake of a remake of a remake. Well, you get it. Yeah. I, I mean, have, I haven't I have seen not, it either. I haven't seen it. I kind of want to now, though. I have zero desire to see I it. I kind of want to. Soundtrack's really good. I'm sure. <laughs> it's probably one of the few times, though, that a remake is expected, actually. Because mm-hmm. they just make that movie, like, what, every 20 years as, like, basically genres change. Did they remake it in between Barbara Streisand and this one? Yeah, I believe there was a one. I be- Wait, there was one, like, what, in the 40s and the one in, like, the 60s and then Barbara Streisand and then this one? I, I don't There's know. There's four of them. I think this one was the fourth one. But I don't think the Barbara Streisand one was in the 80s. 
That was it was well before. I that. thought it was in the seventies. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Maybe there was in between. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry, I didn't do much research into a star so- was born. <laughs> research into a musical so sorry didn't do my homework <laughs> well, now i'm going to and i'm going to do a whole episode on it and i'm going to torture you with it great <laughs> can't wait wait isn't chris christopherson in the barbara streisand one yeah he is here for it yep here mm. for it anyway <laughs> sorry yum, 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 man yum, a young yum. chris christopherson though can get it oh yeah is gonna get it <laughs> <laughs> maggie's gonna give it to him with a time machine <laughs> Anyway, Gaga starred opposite Bradley Cooper in his directorial debut. Nowhere near as handsome as Chris Christopherson. No. By the way. No. Not at all. Preppy he's too Cooper. pretty. He's too preppy. He's not even pretty. He's not even. I no, don't but think like, he's, he's preppy. You know what I mean? Like he's clean. He's too clean. But he always looks like he's slimy. Well, you know, that's. Yeah, because like person. I don't know. He I'm like sure he's has, a fine person. I don't has know him. This Matthew McConaughey aura about him in the sense that he just that he looks kind of like matthew mcconaughey he does but he also looks like he just got slimed <laughs> he might have he might maybe it's a condition ashley be sensitive it's called he's slimer condition he's embarrassed of his slimer condition he should be an evil person on ghostbusters <laughs> yes anyway yes so he picked her specifically after seeing her perform at a cancer benefit, and together they knocked it out of the park. Their on-screen chemistry was enhanced only by the songs they co-wrote for the soundtrack. The music is really legit here. And I'm not going to lie, I'll Never Love Again is real reminiscent of some sweet 90s soundtrack, kind of like The Bodyguard or something. And here again we see how much hard work paid off, because Girl won herself a bunch of awards for that soundtrack. Right. Well, after all of this, Gaga took a well-deserved break. Just kidding. She made another album that just came out, Chromatica. Yeah. Girl can't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. Mm -hmm. Maybe should stop sometime. Just saying. Still hate those boots. Maybe you should stop sometime. Damn. I don't know. I like this album. She admitted she wrote her previous album, Joanne, for her father and his family. To help him deal with the trauma of what happened to her aunt. When she realized that she can't fix him, though, she felt a great disappointment and it just sent her into a depression. Mm -hmm. When she was ready to heal herself, she began to write Chromatica. The lyrics deal with different topics close to her heart, like mental health, loneliness, finding love in dark times, and finding self-worth. This album has been well-received, getting Gaga some of her highest ratings in a while. It almost feels as if she's gone back to pop, but brought the maturity that she's found with her. It debuted at number one, and now she is the eighth woman to achieve more than six number one albums in the U.S., and it broke the record for taking the least amount of time to do it. She beat Taylor Swift on that one, so... <laughs> Good job, Gaga. Fuck you, Tay-Tay. Hey, I will agree with you on Tay-Tay. <laughs> Tater tots. She has a third be called Tater tots. Chromatica overall feels light and fun, and most importantly, it doesn't feel like Gaga's trying so damn hard anymore. And that's not to say that she isn't trying or that her previous work wasn't good. But you get the feel she's more comfortable with who she is now, not trying to stand out with something groundbreaking. She's being her weird-ass self and nourishing the masses with dancey synth pop, which I am here for. And for all we know, she's very well going to put out something completely different in the next few years. But as she is maturing as a woman and an artist, I think it's a sign of her adapting and growing. 
not just trying to pander to a movement. She's never going with the flow. She's always doing some weird shit. They're like, what is she doing? And like later on, you're like, oh, no, I like this. And that's what I take away from Lady Gaga, a completely genuine person who just wants to live out her dream as a musician. Along the way, she encourages others to do the same and promotes self-care and self-appreciation because she knows you need it just as much as she does. I know some may have rolled their eyes when I said we are watching a legend being born right now with Lady Gaga, but scoff all you want. I have no doubt in my mind that in 50 years we will be holding her in the same regards as Bowie, Whitney Houston, and many of the other legends we worship today. Sure. Yeah. She's going to be up there. No doubt. Yeah. She changed pop, goddammit. <laughs> she took away from, like, the Katy Perry and Tay Swifts, and I'm like, oh, this is actually interesting. I admit that it's interesting to see what looks and shit she comes out with every time she comes back with a new album. Mm. Um, I I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm still wishy-washy on her. Those fucking boots, man. That's the fucking boots. Because no matter what, she's got those fucking boots and I hate them. She actually has them like on a special shelf that says the boots that Ashley hates. <laughs> she knows. She's like, my senses are tingling. I should put the boots on. <laughs> and Ashley's mad. <laughs> You're like, like, why am I mad right now? What you don't know is those boots are basically a voodoo doll. Yeah, pretty much. I I think one of my big criticisms of her is that like, yeah, she's very creative and she's not afraid to be who she is and just walk out in public in like ridiculous outfits. Mm. But I just, I feel like the audience doesn't really get to know who she is because of that. Like she, she doesn't do it as much anymore. Like if you watch her now, she goes out in like, just like a nice, like she'll go out in designer clothes, but they're, you know, like pants and a top. But even when she goes out in like a designer dress or something, it always looks like her ideas of what she should be wearing and her makeup and her hair and everything like that is like half baked. I don't know. Cause then when you see her lately, like lately, I feel like when she's been going to like the Oscars and the Emmys, like she's wearing like very traditional, you know, hair, makeup, yeah. dresses. Like she's, I think she's starting to kind of separate herself a little bit. Yeah. Maybe. When she does her, like, if you look at Chromatica and the music video, she's still weird as fuck when she's doing her music. But, yeah, when I think, I feel like her out of, like, her out of music video concert look is kind of normalizing, I guess, is the way to look at that. I guess. Yeah. It's a little more refined than it was when she came out she's in growing, the 2000s. She is blowing up. Yeah. But also, I wish she would stop shoving shit into her lips. Like, just fucking stop. Oh yeah, just have your lips. Your like, lips are lovely, and your You're regular lips. Us. <laughs> your regular lips are fine. And she started doing that shit so long ago, <laughs> and she didn't need to do it, but she keeps doing it. Yeah. But- and her every year, her top lip just sticks farther and farther <laughs> out away from her face. And I'm like, bitch, just stop it. Your lip is beautiful the way it is. Girl, stop it with the fillers, you James Blunt bitch. <laughs> you don't need fucking fillers. Yeah. Stop it. But that's just a whole nother discussion. That is a completely different discussion. Yeah, that's that's a lot of... That's most of Hollywood. Yeah. And I will say, I think Chromatica is a really good album. The first time I listened to it, I was like... Because I think I was waiting. I was expecting, like, well, all right, what's 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 what am I supposed to get from this? And I didn't get anything. I was like, this is weird. And then I listened to it a second time. I'm like, oh, can I just have fun? <laughs> I'm just going to have fun. 
And I mean, like, cool. I mean, you know, for what it's worth, her song with Ariana Grande is really good. She does the a song with um a K-pop group. Uh huh. Like she's she's branch. She's still. I like that she's still willing to experiment. She's willing to experiment with newer sounds, and newer artists. She's not being a Madonna. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't gonna say it, but she's not being a Madonna about yeah. this. I appreciate that she's she's embracing the younger generations. I don't fucking get Ariana Grande. She's I think right. she's awful and yeah. just kind of a prissy beast piece of shit. She's she's done some problematic shit, but like licking donuts and oh, not saying even it's that. the most disgusting place she's ever been. Oh, not even just that, like, ooh, definitely so some much cultural appropriation and more of her mm, recent work. Yep, but whatever. Um, the point is, just I'm glad too with this album. She's just having fun and being her, and I think that's she's just putting less pressure on herself. And mm-hmm. I'm like, this is what you should be doing. This is it. Just have fun. She's time. done all the hard work already. She can like just chill. She's chilling. But also, girl, take a vacation. <laughs> I actually really want you to put those boots away for a minute and go to like Aruba. Or like Belize. Isn't that where they all go? Belize? Bali? Sure. Ooh, Bora Bali. Bora? Ooh, it definitely starts with a B. It's, it's one of those B places. <laughs> it's where all the bees live. Go fuck off to a B place. Just go to that place in uh, Wicker Man. The B place. <laughs> Not the bees. Yeah, they're in my eyes. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, so that's my story on Lady Gaga. Yay. <laughs> Ashley loved it. It was her favorite. Lady Gaga is my favorite. Why? Well, you don't have to like lie about it. It's fine. That's a complete lie. I, I, she's lie. not my favorite, but no, she's fine. But we, 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 I think we all figured that out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, thanks for listening, guys. And uh, if you liked what you were hearing. Or if you hated what you were hearing and you're like, can you talk about something that's not pop? We've got plenty of it on our website. So go visit it. It's www.rockcandypodcast.com. Over there you get more of our episodes. You can leave a comment, toss us an email, find the links to our social medias because we got Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And sometimes we post funny videos and funny things and pictures and whatever. Memes. We like memes. Memes are fun. Memes are fun. And also you can... uh, Pick on up uh, more music podcasts over at our network, Pantheon Podcasts. Over there, you can pretty much one-stop shop it, man. It is the MTV of music podcast networks. And there's a lot to be had there. So go check it out. And supporting them supports us. So please do. And also, you can find us on Patreon. And you can give us some monies, please. You can find that on patreon.com slash rockcandypodcast. Give us your hard-earned cash, and we'll give you some stuff in return. You can get some swag. Swag, swag, swag. And you get a bonus episode every month. Yeah, and also you get a shout-out. And we have a new shout-out today. We have a new shout-out for our new friend, Rick. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, Pickle Rick. (laughs) That's your name now. Your name's Pickle Rick. Regular Rick. (laughs) Yay, regular Rick. Patreon Rick. Ooh, I like it. And Patreon Rick. Thank you, Rick. You are the best. And you'll we be getting you. some stuff pretty soon. Keep keep your eye out in the mail. Maybe you became a Patreon because you just want mail. Because, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I get pumped to get mail. Like, But, like, not bills and, like, po- like politician flyers. No, I mean, like, Actual I order mail. a lot of shit now, so I get really pumped when I get mail. Yeah. It's great. It's fun. So keep an eye out for that. And keep an eye out next week because we'll have another episode because we have another episode every week. 
Just for you kids. Every single fucking week. Except for like, you know, Christmas. When we take time off because fuck that. We deserve a break. <laughs> so do you, Lady Gaga. Take one. Yeah, please. <laughs> I want to go to Belize. No, let's go to Belize. Let's go to the island with the bees. Okay. The bee island. The bee island. Not the Wicker Man island. I do not want to go there. They're not going to kill us. We're women. In the original. in No, in the original, it was men and women. Not oh. just women. Still. Bees. Bees. And there were no bees in the original one. <gasps> what? There were no bees. There was a lot of Christopher Lee being Christopher Lee, though. Ooh. All right. You got me back in. You lost Broke me at no bees, in. but you brought me back in with Christopher Lee. Saruman! <gasps> That's Full it. Full fucking circle. Full circle. Okay, we're done. All right, we're done, done now. Done talking. All right. Party on, Ashley. <laughs> party on, Maggie. And party on you crazy kids out there. Look out for the bees, man. Saruman. It's fucking bees! You've elected the way of the bees! <laughs> It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.